Welcome to episode 31 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Anisha. And I'm Narayan. Storm the Norm is brought to you in association with Grant Thornton Bhagat. Let's get on to today's episode then. Short-sighted. Anisha, that's the word that comes first to my mind when I think about the way global companies have gone about bringing innovation to the massive opportunity that the India market is. You sound like you want to stir up a hornet's nest, Narayan. And maybe I do, uh, Anisha. When I reflect upon MNC after MNC and how they've gone about their journeys in India, the three things that strike me immediately are, one, they played safe. Mm -hmm. Two, they prioritized testing the waters profitably from day one versus making a long-term commitment with slightly lesser profitability in the early years. And three, they come with a, this is what we have, take it or leave it mindset, mm-hmm. until India teaches them a lesson otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reason for today's norm, that innovation at global companies only serves the niche. What side of the bed did you get out of today, Narayan? <laughs> you almost sound militant. And I want to hear the evidence of this though. Having worked with MNCs myself, including one of India's largest automotive manufacturers and one of the largest insurers globally, my experience doesn't completely jive with your position on this. Okay, let me elaborate on each of those three points. Back when India was still a two-wheeler market, it took an Indian company, backed by the government no less, to unlock the world's second largest market for cars. Guess who was still testing the waters until recently? The Mm -hmm. Fords and Toyotas of the world, and one of whom has even exited the market now. I can't deny that. The second one, even knowing India's diversity of languages and limited literacy levels, guess who, until recently, was playing it safe and sticking to text-based internet solutions? Google. It took a shared chat to unlock Indian language-based opportunities and for these tech titans to follow. Mm -hmm. And as for the take-it-or-leave-it syndrome, you know, I think the most famous example was Kellogg's mm-hmm. with its famous we will only bring Western cereal eating habits to the Indian kitchen strategy for the longest time. Guess who's eating humble masala out sukma right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you make absolute sense, Narayan, but still, I wouldn't want to be an MNC in your crossfires today. <laughs> okay, I, I don't want to be completely uncharitable or unfair to MNCs. The thing is, when they do create innovation for the masses and not just for the niches, India rewards them like few other markets can. It'll take the iconic flashlight innovation in the Nokia 1100. It made that model the world's highest selling model, bar none, 250 million phones mm. sold. Mm. And now that I think of it, why hasn't any life insurance company been able to replicate the success of an LIC in India? Despite an utterly low market penetration and an obvious need, every private insurer pales in significance compared to LIC's market share and business size. Exactly. And I, sure. Sorry. You know, I can say the same for a health insurance company, say, for example, you know, when you look at, you know, the health insurance market, it's Indian company Star Health or even the, uh, even the public sector companies, you know, which actually are far, far, far more dominant as compared to all the other private uh, health insurers out there. Exactly, Anisha. And, and I don't think the Indian market is so unfriendly to MNCs or so unprofitable in its promise and opportunity. 
Now, why did it take a homegrown company like Paytm to open up the massive opportunity in digital payments when the likes of Visa, MasterCard, and Amex have been around for decades in the country? Searching questions indeed, Nadan. India has come such a long way from being a destination for low-cost outsourced software and support services to becoming the tech and innovative hub for various global organizations. And some of the world's largest global companies like Microsoft, Uber, Google, Apple, among others, have set up their hubs in India. And many of them are innovating in India for the world. And yet, despite the presence of these hubs in India, most new offerings coming out of these global conglomerates have evaded new solutions for the real mainstream middle and lower classes of India, remaining focused mainly on their kind of audience. And actually, this is where the true opportunity lies for such organizations to grow exponentially and innovate at scale. So what's an MNC to do then, Narayan? How can they turn a skeptic like you into a believer about their ability to innovate for the masses and not just for the niches? You know, as usual, I'm going to take mm -hmm. refuge in being the questioner at Storm the Norm. Uh, I know you probably have the hacks to storm this thorny norm. But before I ask you, uh, this is probably a great opportunity to introduce our guest expert for this episode. We have today someone who is eminently qualified to take on the challenge of this norm. Gulbahar Torani, MD and CEO of Philips Domestic Appliance for the Indian Subcontinent. Gul is a seasoned leader with 20 plus years of experience in building and scaling businesses and has helped Philips grow in one of its toughest and biggest markets for the past 18 years. Gul, welcome to Storm the Norm. Welcome Gul, happy to have you here. Uh, thank you once again Gul for uh, being our guest expert here on this episode of Storm the Norm. We're super excited to have you and we'll kick this uh, conversation off uh, with just restating the norm for the record and asking you the first straight up question. So the norm is that uh, innovation at global companies only serves the niche. Okay, so what's your take on this? I mean, would you refute it? And if so, how, why? Thank you, Narayan. And uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure uh, to be part of uh, this entire chat. And I think uh, the topic that we are discussing today is so close to my heart and exciting because, you know, this is a real time situation that we, that we face every day. However, I am not going to actually challenge the statement. But what I am going to do is I am going to share with you from my experience, the entire process of innovation and leave it to you to decide whether, you know, all the global companies make innovations or products for, for, for niche or not. In my experience, uh, what happens is, uh, you know, there is innovation happening in and around us on a day-to-day on on -day basis. And I always bucket innovation into two types. One of the innovations that, that happen is on the existing solutions, products, or processes, which we are, which we are very, very aware. We, we use them uh, or we experience them on a day daily basis. And there the innovation is more to how do we improve the process, improve the experience, improve the product or improve the solution. Mm. The second bucket is the innovation where, you know, companies, marketeers, they actually look at some of the latent needs of the consumers and customers, the needs that are not stated and try to see that how do we provide solutions for those needs? And 
that's the area of innovation which majority of the organizations marketers really love to do in that process since the need is not stated it's 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 latent sometimes even the consumers doesn't know that this is a need that can fulfill a lot of you know uh, requirements that they have today or it's it's a solution to lot of pain points that they have today so it's it's a latent need and when organizations are able to identify those needs and and provide solutions it comes across as made for niche um, and i would like to substantiate that with a example see one of the most classical example of this is smartphones because before these smartphones and you will agree with me that the idea of having a mobile phone is connectivity connectivity on the go so before mobile phones if you have to talk to your near dear ones then you have to be at a particular point and from there you can talk with smart with mobile phones you can actually connect with your family friends anywhere you are because it was mobility on the go now smartphones actually brought a lot more than only talking on the phone actually what what it provided is like we we as consumers never realized that you know we can not only talk through a phone we can click pictures we can listen to our favorite music nowadays even you can do banking you can do everything so everything is possible over smartphone if you ask me before the i would say arrival of smartphone nobody thought that this is something which is possible and which is required and that's why when smartphone came into existence it was perceived to be for the niche it was perceived to be for a selected few or for a section of the society and look at the way it has revolutionized the entire i would say mankind now at the same time sometimes what happens is you identify some of the latent needs you bring a solution which is effective but it is not very very effective to the larger set of the population case in point is you know we we see a lot of countries uh, the norm of washing is like when you use the detergent you also mix some of the stain removers and that is absolutely the norm but in in some of the geographies like like india the stain removers never did well and that's why you believe that it is it is for certain niche or some section of the society or for particular set of people while the innovation was been made looking at a need that why detergents do their job but some of the hard stains you you require the stain removers however in in some of the geographies the process of stain removing is very very different some people use their hands or some people rely only on washing washing machines and they don't feel the need for stain removers so we have both both type of examples wherein you know there are solutions which came which actually revolutionized the way we do a certain process or we experience something and became mass some of them couldn't make that much of relevance to the larger section of the society and that's why remain niche but if you look at the process the process for both was same wherein there was this entire endeavor to figure out latent need or figure out some of the problem areas where if we can provide the solution it will help consumers live a better life or experience or, or a better better experience or any other solution that they are looking at so for me the process remain the same the outcome sometimes creates the perception 
So, uh, thank you for that. I mean, there's a lot of food for thought right there in your opening statement itself with the examples. And we are focusing not just on innovation and niches, but also about how it happens with global companies serving uh, local markets, if you will, right? And let's talk about the specific case of India. Because Apple claims to make new phones every single year, which is supposed to be dramatically innovative, but it's for the niche. And if you think about home uh, appliances, uh, Dyson creates some amazing innovative uh, appliances, but it's for the niche. It's not for everyone. It's not like all households don't want super efficient, super clean homes, but not everyone can afford a Dyson, right? Uh, or if you take cars, it, it was a Maruti that created the mass car. It wasn't Ford. It wasn't GM. Uh, so it's hard to think about global companies and refute the claim that you know they don't serve only the niche or if they do then it takes a long while bef- before they can uh, actually claim that uh, and, and gul before you answer that you know i have a you know just linked to that is what makes some of these innovations niche and not mass is also uh, you know the global companies are guilty of cost structures in a manner that they are not able to price the products for the masses. And the same examples that uh, Narayan was talking about, you know, whether it is Dyson, uh, I mean, the fact that they are not priced for the masses, you know, the same products can be used by the masses, but they're not designed or priced for the masses. So is that also something which is a constraint when it comes to global companies? First, I think price, of course, uh, you know, is is a, is an important barrier to uh, mass or scale adaption. But I think price also is a function of that when the technology gets more and more democratized, you get more scales, and when you have more scale, you have better price. That's also something that we need to keep in our mind when we only talk about price. Because I will share a completely different example on the same lines. See, what has happened in my experience is a lot of global companies have also realized that it is not only the price bit of it, but you need to be closer to the local consumers and the local consumer insights to bring a lot more relevant products for that local market. And that's, that's I can I can tell you from my experience, that's a, that's a realization with majority of the organizations that they need to be global, wherein we can use leverage the global expertise technology but we need to combine it with some of the important local consumer insights to make a very locally relevant and mass product or application or solution and i will give you an example from our industry which is very very uh, you know very very common so if you will see globally uh, there are blenders which are sold as a product uh, they are meant for blending mixing and all those things. But in India, it is the mixer grinder which is being sold because the application of Indian consumer is very different from the application of the con- of the global consumers. Now, it is not only the price. It is also the application what is more important. And I see majority of the global companies realizing that if we need to cater to masses in India and if we want to be relevant in India, then we need to develop the expertise and develop mixer grinders and not blenders i think that realization has been there and i think all the companies who want to be successful in local markets are 
you know taking that that path of being closer to the uh, local local consumers and, and lo- local insights now coming to again on the, on the, on the price bit of it see i think uh there is a cost to the tech technology and of course uh, there are sometimes uh, cost structures which inhibit any of the organization to bring products which are more i would say affordable but if you have the right local insight and if you have the right capability to convert that local insight into some meaningful you know innovation i don't think with the current environment price becomes a barrier and i can uh, just share one more example uh, which is still in the face of uh, a little more niche than mass is the is the category of air fryers which was meant for the global consumers we realized in india that there is also a consumer in india who wants to consume tasty yet healthy food and we have tried to bring it and when we speak to the consumer it is not the price it is how do we go to majority of the consumers how do we convince them that there is a need and this product is fulfilling that that need so sometimes it is also the communication to the consumer the reach to the consumer which comes in the way of making some of the technologies uh, reach to masses so so not always in my in my opinion it's not always the price sometimes yes it is the price but sometimes it is not the right consumer insight not meant for that particular geography and sometimes it is your ability to reach to consumers with the right messaging with the right experience so one other dimension seems to be i mean you squarely tackle the question of uh, you know if pricing is a, is a constraint uh, and like you said it depends on how uh, innovation is approached and the need gap is perceived and identified uh, but the other thing that seems to be happening is i don't know if it is about mm, risk de- risk mitigation or if it is about uh, uh, just waiting and watching and then uh, following but of late it seems like uh, even when there is a mass innovation opportunity at hand the mncs prefer to actually see how things play out initially and then become followers you know case in point is the entire digital payments ecosystem uh, i mean a lot of the mobi quicks of the world burnt their hands before paytm came and just changed things around and it was and, and both google pay and amazon pay came in much later even though they had vast uh, amounts of capital available to deploy if they wanted to but they kind of seemed to wait and watch and then only followed uh, likewise with even going back to the car market uh the mnc's waited and watched to see if actually the masses would pick up what maruti was saying they were picking up and then became much later followers is that uh, a truism that applies across the board you think i think uh, you know the examples that you that you shared uh, you know seems very relevant that why uh, you know a lot of global uh, companies who have the muscle at that point of time didn't actually venture out into uh, some of the segments that you just shared but i think uh, you know i don't know the actual actual reason because uh, you know that that can be very very internal but i don't completely agree with this statement that you know the global companies are in a wait and watch mood today i think everyone and especially for india has realized that it's a it's a huge potential and we demand for 
different type of products at different price points sometimes it is also the capability that you have in that market okay or sometimes it is also the knowledge of the market you have that actually allows you to enter fast or allows you to enter enter slow because as i as i shared with you uh, there are a lot of examples uh, where you will you will see that the mncs have taken the first mover advantage and they have they have come with certain new technologies and then actually captured the market even before the local players uh, you know are even willing or ready to invest in that um, because if you look at before any of the local competitors and we had quite a bit of manufacturing at that point of time into electronics and not into uh, phones but you know there were global competitors uh, there were global global players who came to india who actually reached out to the masses and took over the market Uh, with a with with a storm without waiting for india to change and you know the consumers to show i would say receptibility to phones which were at that point of time much more costlier than the uh, feature phones that we were using good you know a related question that keeps coming to my mind is that some of the global companies you know actually do not even start with this whole premise that there's a, there is a segment india's got this big pyramid of middle class lower middle class upper middle class but there are companies like say for example when you take boat you know the the company that's come with the airpods you know at yeah, 10% yeah. of the cost of what apple airpods are today this is one company actually that has proven that technology can be applied to masses the product need is there okay and how is it that one company is able to afford it because their starting point was that they do want to create a product for the masses and when you start with that premise you look at the need for masses you also look at what's the sweet spot pricing and then you work backwards to create an innovation around it even if it's not an innovation it's me too but their whole premise was how do we keep taking costs out of these expensive products to make it affordable i mean they might be fast followers it might not be a new product innovation but they in my mind they've innovated with price they've innovated with the with the whole distribution model so the mindset of saying that this is the segment that we want to price for uh, and therefore there is a large enough opportunity is something that global companies still i think lag a lot see uh, you know anisha very uh, i think phenomenal example uh, and i would like to just add one thing to it maybe uh, sometimes it is it is also the way or the philosophy of uh, you know where you want to position yourself how do you perceive quality okay hmm. is also hmm. something driving such decisions see because what happens hmm. is uh, hmm. we see quality from a consumer standpoint okay hmm. uh, as i as, hmm. as i you know so for example let let's let's take this example of airpods right maybe mm. uh, the way and you know i'm just saying it from how do i perceive as as a consumer the quality bit of it right mm-hmm. for a lot of consumers the quality could be that i should be able to hear or speak properly on a call or while while i'm watching a movie or anything that i am doing through that ear airpods right while for some other consumer or for a for for a brand there could be the use of the material 
you know a, a lot more technical into it so it's also the brand philosophy i would i would say that maybe is is also restricting a lot of brands not to go that route and hmm. i would just say it's a, it, it it can be both ways you know you know sometimes hmm. we just companies don't even think that you know this is the segment that or this is the this is the mass market or sometimes it is also their philosophy of the quality which restrict them from yeah, going that yeah. route no that's a that's a fair point you know i mean there yeah. are people who do don't want to come beyond certain aesthetics or design or quality standards yeah. uh, and therefore are willing to not compromise on the price at all yes and and as uh, steve jobs is reputed to have said once uh, sometimes people don't know what they want until you give it to them <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. No, those are fantastic points. I wish we could uh, keep going on with this conversation, but there's already so much you've unearthed here, Gul. Uh, absolutely a, a pleasure uh, chatting with you on this topic. No, thank you, Anisha. Thank you, thank you, Narayan. And I think I enjoyed the session, and it was quite a bit of challenge. So thank you for <laughs> for, 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 for challenging and also giving a lot of perspective. Thank you. So, Narayan, what did you take away from everything that Gul had to say? I have to say, Gul's wisdom, as much as his knowledge and experience, shone through in his insightful take on the norm. He didn't so much take on the norm with bravado as skillfully navigate through the stormy waters to show us how innovation can take MNCs to new horizons. But he also showed that to do so requires changing perspectives dramatically, and how one looks at innovation as a process and not just an output or outcome. and how one goes about recognizing and catering to this opportunity i have to say that as much as i might have sounded belligerent in the beginning gul had a way of disarming me with his perspective mm-hmm. uh, perhaps with leaders like him at the helm mncs could very well deliver innovation for the masses and not just for the niches what about you anisha how would you storm this norm and what hacks do you have for our audience Winning in India actually requires a long-term vision, a very customized market approach, and a sharp focus on the country's mass market early adopters, who would become users of the standard global offerings. A keen eye at that segment, looking at that segment, is what is a good starting point. Recognizing that there are many Indias within Indias that are collectively more diverse and unique than an entire continent. the opportunities for global and indian businesses are endless and with that in mind here are my five hacks i am all yours <laughs> the first one goes something like this convert innovation to a production process rather than a creative process restricted to a few lone geniuses mm. you know it's important to realize that the best innovators aren't individuals or a couple of geeks and geniuses in an organization but employees at the forefront of business processes these are the people with real insights and real customer interactions so um, companies should remember that non traditional sources of knowledge also have the potential to spark process innovation and help overcome very difficult problems mm. and the trick is to encourage these folks within a large company to share best practices and success stories with one another There are many companies that already do this informally. Informally, I think, but there is a need to formalize this with a very systematic effort 
to lay the groundwork for open source information sharing. Mm. Also, in addition to this, it's important to achieve, it's important to establish routines for gathering ideas from external sources and putting them to use. Yeah. It helps to reach beyond a company's internal networks for inspiration. And these are companies actually who do this exceptionally well. They spot ideas through various sources and have learned to take an idea that's obvious in one context and might not sound so innovative. Hmm. And apply it in the not so obvious ways to a very different context. You know, what comes to my mind is this case study of Fiamma Devil Soap. Hmm. Um, and um, they got their I mean they got their inspiration for technology hmm. uh, from a very lateral category, which was very for, for that category, it was such an obvious thing. You know, there was nothing innovative about it. Hmm. Let me build upon it a little more. They wanted the soap to solidify in a transparent format, which is what mm. is today become such a successful brand. And, and all their efforts were, you know, failed almost for many, many years because there was a, either there was moisture or there was a lot of wear and tear of the soap, you know, mm. Um, mm. and it wasn't able to stay dry on solidification. And you know where their inspiration came from, lateral inspiration? Mm. From this whole, those orange candies, those hard-boiled round candies that we used to eat mm. as kids, their inspiration actually came from saying that if they are able to solidify a, a liquid and mm. solidify it so tight, um, how is it that, you know, is there is there an opportunity sitting for us in looking at what they do? And that's the technology that they got their inspiration from. You know, another uh, often quoted source of external inspiration for so many companies, especially in the realm of supply chain, mm-hmm. are the famous Dabawalas of uh, Bombay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, some of the best companies have learned to systemize this process. It's not one of random brainwave, you know. I mean, yeah. sometimes it is serendipity. Uh, but how do you actually make a process out of it? They've created an environment that fosters creativity and problem solving in a team. In short, recognize that looking within your company alone for innovation is the classical definition of thinking inside the box, especially when you keep looking for innovation from the outliers only, rather than seeking and seeing it across the board. Exactly, Darine. So moving on to my second hack, design for affordability and take costs out of production. Intriguing. To innovate for the masses, the first mindset that organizations need to embrace is that of elimination. Mm. By nature, human beings love to add to things. Just think about all the objects and knickknacks that get added to our homes. I was going to say we're all hoarders, but I love the Hindi word. This is Habshiya. We can't help but add to things to improve things. But a very counterintuitive, innovative approach is to subtract or leave out a key component or the the step in the process Mm. in order to innovate. Mm. And some of the biggest commercial gains are possible when companies companies actually employ the elimination technique. Mm. You have to look at your wireframes and your journeys and your entire value chain to realize, to see if there is a possibility of removing something and asking yourself what would happen if we had to remove a component or a part or a step in the process. 
some some also call this you know it's a very simple word the kiss method you know mm-hmm. keep it simple in order to meet requirements most effectively teams do need to assess their design for any opportunity to combine functions and thus reduce the final number of steps and parts or processes required mm. for the assembly mm. and mm. this way you can systematically eliminate not just parts but significant cost to make innovations affordable for the masses you know perhaps michelangelo put it most succinctly when asked how he created such a perfect sculpture in david uh, he said i took away the parts that were not needed so well put narayan this is timeless wisdom absolutely thank you let's move to the third hack all right make the affordable aspirational and i simply love this one you know mm. because it comes from a very basic human insight mm. uh, how do you make affordable innovation also aspirational for mass adoption mm. somehow the frugal innovation approach typically rejects the use of aspirational factors such as lifestyle narratives or appealing designs either because doing so increases the final price of the product or you are a global company and you have certain standards to maintain and i think gul also touched upon it in yeah. in his conversation yeah. or because you assume that these factors are not important enough for the masses and let's take the example of the famous the famous example and now i think over analyzed tata nano mm. uh, the most affordable innovative car you know that was to hit the indian market and the hbr postmortem analysis um, mm. you know really i think succinctly put it that nano failed to sell as well as they had hoped for because the creators did not fully appreciate the aspirations of low income consumers even though it was the most affordable car innovation low income consumers still preferred to pay a premium for alternative brands and even saw used car as a better option wow and they said that nano failed because their low income targets did not wish to purchase a car which reinforced the perception that they could not afford it imagine yeah. a nano user I mean, they are upgrading from a two-wheeler to a four-wheeler because they want to make that statement that they have moved forward in life, you know, and they've actually, you know, cut across to the next level. And here is a car that's in fact reinforcing the fact that, you know, you bought they a car. Yeah, you bought a car, but guess what? You know, you are where you are. You know, you haven't moved up. Yeah. So innovators have to be more realistic and empathetic towards the desires of the mass market, and realize that their decisions are not purely driven by cost considerations. There are social and emotional needs, um, you know, that need to be taken into account. Indeed, Anisha. In my work with uh, Maruti some years back, uh, we found this telling shift from years of consumers asking, "Kitna deti hai?" or mm-hmm. "How much does it give?" to mm-hmm. "Or kya deti hai?" Mm-hmm. what else does it give right because their aspirations mm-hmm. meant they wanted more than just fuel efficiency mm-hmm. um, that's why you'll find things like airbags and bluetooth connectivity even in the lowest segment cars now because we humans at every socio economic level are driven not just by needs but by wants and desires drive everything so true narayan yep so what's next so let's move to my fourth hack assess which functions can be accomplished by outsourcing outbuying apis etc etc mm. 
making innovations affordable for the masses may require using capability that is located somewhere else in the country or in another country altogether uh, and this is especially true if the product is going to be distributed or sold elsewhere to cut down on transportation and shipping costs which must also be factored into the price per unit remember unit economics is such a critical factor of a successful innovation indeed Innovation for mainstream also necessitates a careful calibration of the build versus buy equation very early up front. And remember the opportunity cost. Yep. So once again, it's vital to weigh the opportunity cost of reinventing the wheel. A custom build should be judged by its cost compared to an off-the-shelf option, and by its value relative to the other projects and activities that your employees could undertake instead. In the in. instead of just reinventing the same thing again this is such an important point anisha because innovation is normally looked at only from a product or production lens but every aspect of an organization's value chain is ripe for innovation and in fact there's one data point that says that more than 95% of innovations are incremental innovations or innovations that actually are just sustaining a product mm. in the market Mm-hmm. and and if that is the case then looking at every aspect of the organization's value chain and saying you know which part is ripe for a, a, a little bit of a change or an upgrade or or a, or the transformation is so crucial absolutely and that brings me to my last hack for this norm okay have a clear process for gauging and evaluating the product market fit mm-hmm. there is no clear definition of what product market fit really is you know i mean you that is why you know 9 out of 10 startups fail in the market you know <laughs> at an idea stage they seem like you have a perfect market and a perfect offering uh, but you know obviously the market tells you otherwise yeah i think it many times this is not because it's a very esoteric or a mystical or an elusive concept Hmm. But because there's so many variables at play here the type of business is it a b2b or a b2c how competitive is the market how crowded is the market what's the price point but i think broadly if you were to summarize and keep it very simple uh, it boils down to revenue engagement and scale hmm. there are and there are various tests to validate this does your offering have the ability to shift spends or is it creating new spends for customers we've spoken about it in one of our earlier uh, yeah. norms as well yeah see it's very difficult to increase the wallet size of the customer so if you have an offering that has the potential to shift the spends where you are replacing a product or an offering or even upgrading because incremental is okay okay that's a far easier task than creating an offering where it is an additional burden on a customer's wallet yep another very interesting way of evaluating it is whether you know just hard nosed asking yourself this question that today if we were to stop existing mm. what percentage of the customers would feel disappointed Mm-hmm. If you think that thirty to forty percent of the customers are going to miss you because you know you you not in the market, then you know that you have a decent product market fit. Mm-hmm. Although it's this is not an ultimate rule, but this kind of a thought process clearly helps gauge the value that the product has in the eyes of the customer. Couldn't agree more. How engaged is your customer with your offering beyond the pain it's solving is another very useful metric. You might. 
you know the first first metric is of course revenue like we said yeah. you know i yeah. mean and then that's conversion and that's obviously purchase uh but i think a much better better uh, um, you know factor is um is your customer engaged with you even if they are not buying you know are they staying engaged with you you know do mm-hmm. you see them having some kind of a conversation going in some form with the with your product or offering a clear but tough questions to ask but the answers can give you multiple winning strategies for innovation to be deployed at scale so fantastic and thank you for those five actionable hacks in one place and share thank you radhan a thought provoking norm seasoned experts with thought provoking insights and some great hacks to storm the stuff to storm the norm this is a good place to wrap up episode 31 of storm the norm as always there are multiple places you can catch us on spotify apple podcasts hubhopper geo sovan by just searching the storm the norm by just searching for storm the norm and on sadegama pa karavan 2.0 devices on channel 453 this is kain and anisha signing off for now we'll be back with a new episode shortly thank you and talk to you soon Thank you.